1: And welcome to An Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. If you're watching this, I hope your screen isn't flickering the way my screen is. I apologize if it is. Um, I'll try to get that fixed here in a moment. But uh, that really interrupted me. I apologize. So you, um, you're listening to CHD TV and 1150 AM KKNW. We, I was thinking as that song came on that, you know, it says we need a revolution. It was beautiful when this show started. I forget, like 112, 113 episodes ago. But we actually do have a revolution underway. So as much as I love that theme song, I kind of feel like we might be needing a new one. And um, and I'm going to go ahead and bring on Javier Figueroa so I can stop my camera. Oh, yay. It behaved Ooh. itself in. <laughs> Hello, doctor. <laughs> Are you seeing me okay? Is that uh, working for you? Fantastic.
2: Just fine.
1: Yeah. So, you know, folks, uh, sorry for that rough uh, beginning there. Javier Figueroa is my sometimes co-host. I wish he could always join us, but sometimes his career gets in the way. Um, He's the... He's the mental brawn of this, and I've promised myself today I'm going to try to let Javier really get two cents in here (laughs) because I tend to talk a lot. But he's got great insights that are really underutilized on this show. So, Javier, you know, I just want to make sure this first hour... Uh, we really get to hear from you, sir. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> uh, we're going to spend this first hour going over some news, going over a great Substack, a series of three posts, actually, that you have written. And in the next hour, we're bringing in this awesome woman named Andrea Gomez of the place called Citizens Renewing America. And that's very exciting. So, the, this whole two hours is about hope. So, when we have seen our government turning against us using our taxpayer dollars to do things we don't want them to do that are causing us harm we need to figure out what to do to stop that because we've got a great nation we've got great infrastructure we've got foundations they've been co-opted they've been um, you know so many things wrong with it but we just need to get back to the basis of what this great country is right exactly Yeah, we just need to reclaim what is rightfully ours. So one of the first things I wanted to do is make sure I say a huge thank you to all of the people who belong to Informed Choice Washington, because the bulk of the funding for this show is the donors at Informed Choice Washington, the wonderful action team members who read our information, who share it with their legislators, with public health officials, with friends, family, strangers on the street sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, you are Informed Choice Washington. You are an Informed Life radio, because if we're just talking and nobody's spreading, Javier, what good is it, right? It doesn't do any good doesn't do any good. So I'm so proud of of our individuals who are living in a a state that's still somewhat um, misguided, as it were, at state levels. But there's people standing strong and speaking out. And I feel the tide shifting, right? Exactly. Okay, here's your quiz, Javier. What's the number one thing that people can do, and they can do it next Tuesday, in order to really Utilize the most important solution to government agencies turning against citizens. It is.
3: It's not two way. Uh, it's uh, the the right responsibility and duty to vote.
1: Right, the right responsibility and duty to vote. Amen to that. You know, I think a lot of us for for a long time were very complacent. You know, we could go about our lives and and create these little nests of of, you know, good income coming in, being able to take care of our kids and all that. We could sort of ignore the fact that we didn't really like what was going on in the government. COVID has shown us what happens when you don't pay attention. They spend years creating infrastructure that all of a sudden is a monster to just bite your head off, right?
3: Exactly.
1: Yeah. So, So vote, vote. Vote. We're not telling you who to vote for. We're just saying, if you don't like what's happening where you are, vote for the people who did not support what is happening, and find people who are who are stating they will they will do it differently, right? Exactly. You know, and of course we're for medical freedom um, all the way, and uh, so. But it's it's the most important thing. You know, don't count on your neighbor. This. In some of these elections, it might come down to a couple hundred votes. It really might. There's really some races that are neck and neck. And one vote really could possibly um, make a difference. I recently, wa- see, I'm talking again. I apologize. But I recently watched this movie. I was going through, I was doing dishes, trying to find something. And it was it was an old like Nicolas Cage movie, I think, I'd never seen before. And it turned out that like the presidential election came down to one vote. Right. And his had been like misvoted because it's actually his like nine year old daughter had voted for him. But at the end, he got his chance to to vote and he goes into the voting booth and closes the curtain in the movie. ends, so you don't get to find
4: out no. who he
1: voted for and how it turned out. But um, we will we will know. We
3: will know how this is. Exactly. Will, exactly. Yeah.
1: Get the ending there. So um, I want to make sure that we we inform our wa- wonderful Washington state citizens what's going on. So I want to let people know that Informed Choice Washington is now in Substack. So a lot of our subscribers to, uh, to Informed Choice Washington already learned that because we were able to add them um, because they already agreed to get our newsletters when Substack they're hey. hearing from us. And it's a beautiful, clean um, format and gets a lot more reach. We're getting more like fifty percent opens instead of twelve percent opens. <laughs> That's <laughs> so,
2: great! Oh yes. man,
1: yes, yes, it, it's um, it is very exciting. And then so there, there's several of us that have some great Substacks and and I want to move now to yours, Javier. Do you want to share? Do you want me to share sure. your?
3: Uh, why don't you you go ahead and and, and do it uh, from your end over there. Okay, okay. I will.
1: I will do that. I've got it pulled up here somewhere if I can find which one it is. Cause I've got a lot which of tabs for us to talk about. <laughs> okay. There's, there's Jack's there's James Lyons, Weiler's where's yours. When I blame uh, Jack
3: for using me to sub stack.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, there it is. There we go. Let's see. Let me know if that shows up on your screen there.
3: Boom, there it is.
1: That's the third. So You go ahead, tell us about these three posts on Substack and tell everybody the name of your Substack.
3: Sure thing. And let's see, it's surprisingly Xavier Figueroa. That's the name of the Substack. Uh, It also has as its byline, the evidence base. Um, So um, one of the things that, one of the reasons that I started off with hyperbarics was because that's what I did for a long time. I did hyperbaric research. Uh, and uh, originally did it because uh, we were looking to see if we could treat traumatic brain injuries or mild traumatic brain injuries or post-concussion syndrome or persistent post-concussion syndrome. Uh, I mean, brain injuries have so many different designations because they're just so difficult to diagnose and they, you know, they're affected by so many different uh, conditions. But one of the uh, Early things that I learned from uh, working in hyperbarics was uh, how a lot of doctors that were treating uh, children with autism were using it as an effective therapy. So that was another one aha moment right there. Um, And that's you know what what they say, write what you know. Yes. (laughs) So this is what I this is what I did. Yeah and that have been doing now for the past couple of posts.
1: So, so two things there. First of all, you pronounced your name different than I pronounce your name. And I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name for two years. (laughs) You've been pronouncing
3: it correctly. I'm just trying to, for people that are listening and not watching, uh, the the name is X-A-V-I-E-R and the last name is F-I-G-U-E-R-O-A. There's Um, too many
1: vowels in there, Javier. There's a lot
3: of vowels. It's Latin. Come on, it's Latin. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so, and then yeah.
1: The, the other thing you said when you realized that um parents with autistic children were using hbot to great effect oh, yes. you said it was an aha moment um I'm wondering if, explain that because I think there's a couple of ahas that could occur with just understanding that one statement so you go first
3: So one is uh, when you go from having a brain injury to uh, treating uh, what is considered a neurodevelopmental condition, uh, then you realize that, okay, we're talking about a a powerful healing mechanism uh, that's uh, correcting uh, whatever or or, uh, revitalizing certain areas uh, of the brain or helping to rewire certain areas of the brain. And with autism, of course, we're seeing something that is induced by inflammation it is also being modified by the immune system. And then hyperbarics does both. It inhibits inflammation and supercharges the immune system. So it can actually start clearing out or fighting against uh, whatever's in there. So it just basically showed that <clears throat> it is a powerful general tool for healing uh, brain injuries or nerve damage.
1: Exactly. That's beautiful. But And one of the major ahas there, I think, for... How do you say okay? So the pharmaceutical industry has had brilliant marketing campaigns that they don't label as marketing
2: campaigns. Right. Yep.
1: And one of the most, and I, I apologize if this is pushing on some nerves here because I mean it in the most loving, generous, kind, helpful way, is that the neurodiversity movement where you honor and treat those with neurodiversity issues and say it's genetic and don't you dare treat it don't you dare call it an illness right exactly um it's not that people some people of course neurodiverse we're all different we all think differently this isn't about thinking no and for I it it just is so delayed the healing of people who have brain injury that has been put under the autism neurodiversity umbrella. Yeah. If, if you have a child who's been put under the umbrella and has particular behavior issues, um uh, learning issues all you know all sorts of issues going on and you expose them to hbot which increases t cell mitochondrial energy reduces inflammation and their behavior improves cognitive ability improves everything improves that means that they had something to improve it wasn't exactly. just genetic it wasn't just a difference correct you know, you're getting, you're helping them get to their ideal self.
3: Right. And
1: and it's so heartbreaking to me that the, the people who are harming our children um, in so many ways with their products from the, um, you know, vaccines in infancy to the poisons in our food and so many things. And so many of the toxins in the world,
2: mm-hmm. as you know,
1: because this is what oh, you yeah. do. Causes inflammation in the brain. Correct. Yeah. Okay.
3: So to add to your point, and I think that the the the, your main uh, idea regarding uh, neurodivergence and neurodevelopment and the whole movement about uh, you know it comes from a very good place. This is about recognizing that now we have these conditions that are becoming more and more common. We have we're trying to categorize these children that have different developmental uh, pathways. Uh, and that will produce, you know, Asperger's, autism, different degrees of of, uh, of cognitive processing. People within certain industries are tar- trying to normalize what is yes. normal, and that's the problem. And again, I might offend some people here, but for example, what Matthias Desmond did with his book on uh, mass formation—the whole idea, the whole the whole focus—and I don't know if if Dr. Desmond intended that. Or was co-opted, was that mass formation was being used as an excuse to explain why people behaved a certain way and excluded or reacted in such a way that made sure that you know you had the the unclean versus the clean, and the whole point is is this is a coordinated effort by multiple governments to divide people. And what you what's happening with the neurodevelopment movement is unfortunately a co-opting and manipulation. Mm-hmm. Best in people to say this is normal, try and normalize it when it is, in fact, nothing of the sort. And it is an environmental issue, and it, is a, mm-hmm. and it is by yeah. corporations to basically excuse yes. themselves from any damage that they've done.
1: Yes, bottom line, bottom line. normalizing environmental and ion- iatrogenic, mm-hmm. which means by the doctor. Mm-hmm. Injury. That doesn't mean we don't love people where they are. We, exactly. we embrace them with their injuries. We need learning protocols. We need all of these things to help them thrive where they are as we try to heal them. But, you know, we just as I very much feel that the way you honor a soldier who's who enlists and goes to fight for their nation, yeah. you honor yeah. them by paying attention to what the government is telling them to do exactly right because they all they can do is obey orders in the field and try to stay safe and 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 do what a soldier does but if there's an unjust war um that's going to put them in harm's way you know that's how you honor and the way you honor people on the autism spectrum on the neurodevelopmental spectrum you honor who they are as individuals not only by helping them um, live to be their best selves and love them where they are on this journey. But you also work to prevent further injuries. Correct. You know, and sometimes I think, I mean, I'd love to have like t-shirts that sort of illuminate this, that says, um, like, um, you know, like about diabetes. Oh, don't, don't call them, you know, they're just, um, they're just pancreatically challenged. You know, they don't they don't need your help. It's it's normal. You know, I mean, no,
5: No, I
3: mean, diabetes is a disease of developed nations. Yeah, that's the reality of it. I mean, we did not have diabetes. Diabetes did occur, but it occurred only in uh, societies that were affluent. And that, you know, you could see that in in early British societies, especially when they started importing all that refined sugar into the into Europe. But it became really common once we started getting the hyper-processed foods out into the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And again, now they're trying to blame viruses for uh, diabetes, type 2, all these things. And, you know, diabetes type 1, I guarantee you, there's going to be a tight correlation with vaccinations and type 1 diabetes. It's
5: going to be found.
1: Yeah, there's a whole lot of issues uh, going on with that. And we're going to focus on the positive things here. So HBOT, HBOT, tell us then um, all of this great stuff. But you are sort of leading toward HBOT for um, long haul COVID and and COVID shot injuries, correct?
3: Correct. And again, again, I I have to, uh, Jack, I'm talking to you. <laughs> you beat me to the punch. Uh, one is he interviewed Paul Harch. Paul Harch wrote The Oxygen Revolution. Uh, he has a practice uh, at, at Ellis, uh, not at L. El- well, he's a professor at Ellis. He has a practice uh, in, in New Orleans where he treats uh, patients with hyperbaric oxygen therapy. <clears throat> and Jack interviewed him uh, on IPAC's uh, <clears throat> weekly uh, show. Mm -hmm. Uh, about uh, using hyperbarics to treat uh, COVID, treating long COVID and treating vaccine injury from Mm -hmm. the, uh, from the jabs. I shouldn't call them vaccine injuries, jab injuries from Pfizer, Moderna, J&J and AstraZeneca uh, jabs. And what he basically uh, identified, or at least he went down the list and said, look, hyperbarics is anti-inflammatory. Hyperbarics is stimulating the immune system. Hyperbaric, reduces edema. Hyperbarics helps to clear all these uh, pathogens. Hyperbarics stimulates the immune system to actually go hunt the virus down. I mean, that's one of the great benefits. It stimulates the immune system to fight against bacteria and viruses. And like you said, it improves mitochondrial function. It improves blood flow. It rescues organs that are on the edge of teetering because they're not getting enough oxygen. One of the major problems that we have from both the coronavirus and the jabs is that they produce microclots
2: Mm.
3: and and one of the only ways to rescue organs when you have microclots is to provide them with lots of oxygen hyperbarics does that ah that's that's what happens
1: will will, um hyperbarics oxygen um clear the the microclots will it
2: actually
3: you know that's a good question because there there's there there's uh, some reported benefits in um, using hyperbarics to improve uh, blood flow, uh, and since you have microclots uh, and you stimulate the immune system, you can actually have neutrophils and macrophages uh, come in there and gobble up the uh, the clots. And again, one of the okay. major problems that we've had. Understanding this this virus is that one of the reasons people were going in and they couldn't get enough oxygen and was because of microclots they were blocking the capillaries mm-hmm. and no matter how many people you intubated you weren't going to get enough oxygen in there so usually high flow oxygen works great because you're just increasing the saturation level and that's just breathing through your nose you don't need a uh, hyperbaric chamber uh, but hy- what the great thing about hyperbarics is that you bypass the need of uh, using high flow oxygen because you're increasing the pressure and that drives oxygen into the body. So organs that are on the edge of not having enough oxygen, all of a sudden get this great, you know, I won't say injection, but perfusion yeah. of yeah. oxygen. And in some cases, like for example, people that have had tras dramatic blood loss or severe anemia, hyperbarics is fantastic for just, you know, getting them over that hump that they need to
5: get over.
1: Yeah, and you, it was really funny after last week's show. You and I got a text from Dr. Ted Fogarty and he was watching our show from inside his hyperbaric chamber. Hyperbaric
2: chamber. And
1: so, hey Ted, if you're out there listening, good to, good to see you. You got to come back on again soon. So, Dr. Ted and I on this very show have been talking about hyperbaric since 2020. Yeah. Um, he knew right away that hyperbaric was one of the things that was going to be rescued. And of course, you're familiar with airplane H-bot oh, yeah. rescue, you know, because every every airplane fuselage has the possibility of becoming a hyperbaric chamber that can seat hundreds.
0: Absolutely. And
1: and, you know, he so there was that white paper put together and there's a, still a website for it. It's still a great concept. Of course, you can't get get it everywhere, but you could get it to a lot of places oh, yeah. as, as needed. And I think we're really needing it for long haul and we're needing it for, oh, yes. for long shot injury. Um, yeah. And, and, and I remember once, um, having when Pierre Corey first came on my show, hello, Pierre, love you. Um, and he was, and I mentioned HBOT, but at that time, he was more concerned with reaching as many people around the world as possible. And he said, no, Ivermectin can reach more people cheaper. Not yes. everybody has the luxury of getting to HBOT, but Correct. I think we're really at the stage, especially in third world nations. I, I mean, first, because let's face it, some of these poor nations, they're doing way better than we are. Oh, yeah. They had less COVID because they got more sunshine they, they were taking ivermectin for other issues exactly. um, and they got far less the jabs and they're doing much better. Um, it's really the wealthier nations that need the HBOT and they're the ones who have access to it.
2: So. Correct. They're
3: all good points. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And again, so, hyperbarics works best in combination with other therapies. Hands yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. has got to be a layered approach. Everywhere yeah. you go.
1: Everywhere you go. I remember once um, Dr. Ted Fogarty and I were talking about like our ideal world. If if you could, if you could create your, you know, perfect hospital. Well, first of all, when you walk in the, the emergency room, waiting room would be a giant hyperbaric chamber and everybody in there would be instantly starting to be healed. Even the people that are just with loved ones who are, I mean, everybody could use a little extra oxygen at times of emergency, right? right? (laughs) I thought that was such a cool idea. Just walk in and you're immediately being healed. And of course with me, because I've been in the hospital so much with loved ones in the past and and they're noisy places they feed you crappy food and everything oh, yeah. so i thought you know it should be organic food tailored to the person there should be these cla- these these um bubbles that come down over the bed that are um soundproof exactly that allow um like whatever music of your choice to swirl around you and if you're not allergic you know to whatever like essential oils and and <laughs> Oh, they would be such peaceful healing places. People would be like, you know, trying to hurt themselves so that they could have a few days in the hospital because it's such a healing place. Um, there
3: you go. There. But you right go. now,
1: yeah. Right now, if a healthy person checked themselves into the hospital for like four days, they'd emerge less healthy.
3: Yes. And yeah. again, what's interesting is that we have uh, one of our uh, neighbors over here, daughter um, went into the hospital uh, uh pick you, um, that's pediatric ICU because of respiratory, uh, a respiratory structural virus uh, infection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the doctors, you know, basically doing everything they could to, to manage the, uh, the symptoms and, and, cl- and clear the, the virus. And they were trying to get her out, get her out of there because they feared her developing pneumonia in the hospital Yes, because they knew that the longer she stayed there, the chances were that she was going to catch something else and yes. again that tells you something uh, about the the whole the whole setup that we have in hospitals
1: exactly well but it's really good they acknowledged that yeah. and they were going to be taking steps to to get her home where she could be safely nurtured back to health exactly um, a couple things I want to point out um, in good news here. Let me go ahead and and share with you some things that are upcoming in Washington State or that have been done. Let's see if I got here. I'm just going to click on see what. Oh, here we go. So the wonderful Carl Kanthak, who's been very active in Washington State, um, bringing truth to power, as it were. He's a data guy. He he looks into the data and sees how. Usually how public health officials are skewing the data in order for it to say what they want it to say to compel the votes that they want. Um, So Carl's going to be speaking in Spokane um, on November 16th at the West Side Church. Uh, we'll get this posted on our website or on our substack so you can get the information. He's gonna be talking about the CDC ACIP vote and what it means, what, it, what options there are to families, what are the likely actions of the Washington State Department of Health. He's gonna answer the question, is the Department of Health an honest broker? Is the Department of Health behavior regarding COVID new? or have they been treating all infections and vaccines the same way under the radar? I know these answers. Right I can't right. wait for him to explain. And what were Washington infection rates before school rules? Oh, the, these are really, these are really astonishing. Um, the answers really surprise, um, surprise people. Carl once in front of the um, a Senate hearing, I think a house hearing too. In the 2019 session, um, was bringing up you, you remember during the measles thing, they were all this talk about hot spots and all these kids, oh, yeah, no, you was- know, all these exempt kids. And look at there's like a 50% use of exemption in this school. And well, Carl was pulling up all the school districts that were in this big article by that awful Peter Hotez. Oh, I apologize. I, I try not to do ad hominem, ad hominem attacks by Peter Hotez, whose whose work is awful. How about that?
3: That's better.
1: <laughs> anyway, and he showed them that in one school district and I don't remember the exact numbers, but this is pretty close. In one school district where they were claiming, you know, just a 50 percent vaccination rate. There were two kids and one of them had a, like exempted out of chickenpox only.
4: Right. But not this really was much.
1: enough to give it a 50 percent. Much. you know, vaccination rate or exempt rate, however you want to look at it. And he had them just laughing. He said, the absurdity of what you are told compared to what the data actually says. And they were really beginning to start to listen. Um, you know, things didn't completely go our way uh, during that session on legislation, but minds were open to the manipulation that's going on. So Carl Kanthak, that's coming up, um, check informchoicewall.org webpage or substack, and we'll get you that information. Um, And then I also wanted to to tell everybody there's a, a, another great organization in Washington that is, let's see. No, not that one. No, not that one. Oh, here we go. Love these people. Um, the Washington Civil Rights Council. I don't know. If you, you're familiar with these people, I, I believe. So we've oh, got yes. um, Victoria Palmer, who is fantastic. She's the one who got the campaign together and got all the people handing out flyer, flyers outside of that Mariners game when Fauci was throwing out the <laughs> throwing out the first ball and and everybody was booing him. <laughs>
2: yeah! <laughs>
1: Yay! Um she's she's smart. She's she's been on it protesting outside um, the Gates Foundation headquarters every Saturday for a couple of years now and just doing amazing events. So they've got a fundraiser going on. They're they're doing some legal action. They're doing a lot of informative things. So on November 12th, they've got a dinner and wine live auction happening. This, so you wanna go to wcrc.us, wcrc.us, and you can check it out see if you wanna attend and donate to this great group, the Washington Civil Rights Council that in Washington state is taking steps that is going to be part of the solution. So I think that's very exciting, um, that they're doing, that they're doing that. Um, our folks up in in Bellingham, Be Brave Bellingham, they, they're just on it. So look up Be Brave Bellingham. I don't think I have their tab open, but check them out if you're in the Northern part of the state up there in the Bellingham area, they do great work. Join them. Um, participate in their ongoing dialogues, uh, really trying to take back uh, the government formed by the people up there. And so now let's, let's talk about uh, how we doing on time. We're doing pretty good. So today's November 4th. So do you know what happens today? Do you know what big whack? There's a, there's a whack, a a rule that goes into effect today. Do you know what that is?
0: No, I don't.
1: Well, On October 31st, on Halloween, is the day that Governor Inslee's emergency order finally was lifted. But before that was lifted, he, and I say illegally, we'll explain why, directed the Office of Financial Management, this big government that really handles all the paychecks of state workers, Yes. told them, hey, write some rules to permanently mandate COVID shots. And they did. And it goes into effect today. So as of today, it's a permanent rule, illegal rule, um, that any state employee that's not union has got to have the first two jabs.
3: See, now that right there, non-union, <laughs> they're, they're, they're discriminating against a particular um, organization. Yeah. Not being, well, not being part of an organization.
1: That well, yeah, um, but the they also had they had to treat the union members differently and they mm. did go to bargaining and and the union members did vote to add this requirement to their jobs. But here's what's different about the union is that the legislature has to vote to to pass this. And um, it this contract doesn't go into effect until July of twenty twenty three.
3: See, So there's
1: there's this weird discrepancy. And also the union contract says that anybody who gets a booster, just one booster, there's a one-time $1,000 incentive they will get if they get the booster. But they won't know if the legislature is going to fund that booster until July. So who's rolling up their sleeves to get a booster if they don't even know if the $1,000 is going to be funded?
3: And again, yeah, I mean, the legislature (laughs) basically has to say we have to include that in the budget. And they have to vote on that.
1: Right. And I added up, they estimated for all the union employees, state union employees that come under these contracts if they all voted yes. If everyone who qualified in the union got the shot, it would cost our state $40 million. Yep. $40 million for one shot that has negative efficacy after a couple of weeks and comes with the risk of them being permanently disabled if not dead. So it, it's not really good value for our money. So it's going to be in our next legislative session, you know, vote. Did we already say vote? Everybody vote, 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 vote. Guys. vote. vote, um, vote, it, vote. Yeah, if you don't want this $1,000 thing boosted, vote for the legislators who will not pass that in the budget. That would be very yeah. good. And that doesn't even include the non-union employees, and they're still trying to figure out how to how to offer them a $1,000 booster payment because
3: well, and things really wants that. The other the other part that has to be uh, reinforced is that already in New York, the uh, you know the judge basically ruled that it was illegal for yeah. that particular uh, uh, department to mandate it mm-hmm. uh, when it wasn't even you know wasn't passed by the legislature. So yeah. already you have precedent that this is going to be overturned and it's going to cost not forty million dollars, but you're gonna you're gonna have to pay punitive damages in excess of probably $400 million for those people that, you know, basically said, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to be forced to do this. And if they lose their jobs or people that have lost their jobs, well, it's going to cost even more. So this is one disastrous administration from the get-go.
1: Yes. Agreed. Absolutely disastrous. And, but you know, it's, it's those tough learning lessons that I believe will um, lead to better voting choices on Tuesday Mm -hmm. and lead to people being more involved in their government moving forward and hopefully some good things in Washington state um, turning things around in the right direction. Um, Now, yesterday there was supposed to be a uh, department of health vaccine advisory committee meeting. Was that yesterday or Wednesday? I think it was yesterday, but the, um, The Zoom was down. Um, I guess all over the world there there were, apparently, according to Zoom, difficulty in in some people connecting, so they weren't able to do it. So the Washington State Vaccine Advisory Committee um, is really an interesting entity. Uh, A lot of people don't know about them. Um, It's an actually in-house committee that is not like government-mandated. Um, They tell us they don't actually have to open to the public, but they always let us attend either via Zoom or they used to be in person and they allow for public comment. Not a lot. Ten minutes. It's not much for people to sneak in their words. But um, basically what this is. They call themselves an advisory committee, but really. In, and it's like 20 to mm-hmm. 25 individuals that but like somebody from Kaiser Permiente some public health officers um, somebody represents pharmacists somebody from schools um, tribes um, a handful of doctors a naturopath who's the most rapidly pro-vaccine
3: uh, popular practitioner popular. I have
1: ever met in my life she once said at a meeting um, the current woman who's on this committee, that she just wished they'd go ahead and mandate all the shots because it would make her job easier and she wouldn't have to quarrel with parents who who didn't want to get some of the things she was recommending to them.
3: Which is again a violation of her oath and her license. That that's that that is just incredibly
1: from a naturopath, right? It's just crazy. <laughs> it's
2: just crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Um, but really what they do at these meetings is they go, uh, they have presentations by the Department of Health. They learn about how many vaccines uh, have been purchased. And this is all the pediatric vaccines because we're on the universal purchase program. They talk about how many had to be wasted, like thrown away because they'd expired, they weren't used. Um, They talk about uh, promotion campaigns, getting the word out. And we're really interested in this one that got delayed. And they said it'll happen by the end of the year because they only do them quarterly. Um, Of course, going to talk about the COVID shot and their response to the COVID shot. So we're expecting a new push, a new campaign. But when it comes to Gardasil is on the agenda. And you can see that what they're going to do is be doing a brand new campaign to to increase vaccination rates in nine year olds
2: with That's this criminal. artificial
1: shot, um, despite the, yeah, despite the fact that, um, I mean, the number of injuries um, and the number of lawsuits outside of vaccine court, because Merck um, had such fraud um, in their clinical trials. Yeah, it's, uh, it's concerning. So we like to monitor those, give public comments, send our information. Um, they, I'm a Pollyanna, Javier, I feel like maybe some somebody will wake up at some point. maybe Covid will wake them a few of them up. but I also am a realist to some degree. This whole issue has made me so, but I also want them to not have deniable plausible plausible deniability exactly. They can't say they don't know because we told them we've given them books, we've given them. Science and data and information, data. and um, they just they just can't see. Um, but next week, November 9th, is the Washington State Board of Health meeting. Now, here's here's a question for you, Javier. What's the difference between the Washington State Department of Health and the Washington Washington State Board of Health? Any idea? The Board
3: of, the Board of Health, I think, advises and recommends, and the Department of Health makes the final decision. Is that it? Um,
1: yeah. n- no, no. But good guess. So the Department of Health is, you know, an agency actually, you know, underneath the secretary of health, part of our governmental structure. And they just carry out pretty much carry out public health missions, um, um, anything ordained to them. It's kind of hard. I guess I'm not describing it very well. Um, the Board of Health is a 10 member member. Board hand selected by every governor who comes along so everyone on the board was selected by Governor Inslee and they are tasks with overseeing certain matters having to do with water like sanit- and sanitation, clean water, um, sanitation, the rules that go with that the rules that go under the laws I right. should say. And one of the things by law that they were given the authority to do was to decide what shots are required for daycare and school, Um, not the Department of Health. And I got to find a really good way to describe this business-wise of how they happen. They have, they use overlapping staff. They have overlapping members sometimes and secretary of health and the chief science officer speaks on both things. So it gets very confusing, very confusing. But just remember BOH, the board are the ones who decide what kids have to have for school. Right. And um, so, yeah, so they're going to be meeting. They, they tell us they are not at this meeting revisiting COVID shots for school, but they have said in the past, they will revisit it. They pretty much guaranteed it. Um, so we encourage you to, to always tune in, um, go to our website or Substack, and you can get a link to where you can register to attend the meeting, but it's also being played on tbw.org yep. and just pay attention to, to what they're doing, what they're saying, what their beliefs are. You can, what what I find amazing Javier is when you watch these meetings especially the board of health, when they talk about a lot of things, they make so much sense. They're talking about like uh, clean water or food safety, you know, and they talk about informed consent, uh, precautionary principle. I've heard them mention all these things that we really value, but then they step over to the realm of vaccines and it's like, where did that go? Right. It's gone. (laughs) And um, anyway, so those, those are coming up. Um, but what's the most important thing to know? It's next Tuesday. What's happening?
3: Next Tuesday's get out the vote day.
1: Get out the vote. Vote, 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 vote. I just, we can't say that enough. Do it. Get your friends. Drag people there. Get them to vote. Tell them to vote their heart. If you don't like what's happening, vote for people. Don't vote for the people who made what happened happen. Vote for the people who think have some solutions.
3: Okay? Exactly.
1: Yeah. And you can go to Stand for Health Freedom. Stand, stand for Health Freedom. Oh, shoot. Is it org or com? Um, if you could look that up for me. I always yeah. forget if they're stand I, I, for I, health I, freedom. Yeah. Stand for health freedom. They've got a voter guide. So they have surveyed all the um, put surveys out through the community in every state on medical freedom issues, just very narrowly focused. And so if you want to know where people stand with medical freedom, how they voted in the past, you can go there and then click on your state and see who's recommended. Um,
3: Standforhealthfreedom.com.
2: Dot com.
1: Standforhealthfreedom.com. Right. And um, our own wonderful Lisa Templeton is actually uh, director of Stand for Health Freedom in Washington state because uh, Informed Choice Washington is Uh, partners with them. So Mm -hmm. we don't make political recommendations, but we do help them create, you know, get them information, get surveys out so that they can provide this sort of information. I'm the director in Tennessee, but you know, Javier, it's really interesting here in Tennessee because it's, it's a very conservative uh, red state. So predominantly Republican and it gets a little bit trickier when you've got a couple of candidates that are saying the same messaging, because then you have to look at them really, really closely to know the nuance. Yep. And it's much more difficult to understand which ones will vote for medical freedom if a good bill is forward and which ones will actually champion a good bill or sponsor a good bill and which ones will just go with the tide. Right behind the scenes. So it's a lot more challenging, which is why you'll see that Stand for Health Freedom, the Tennessee guide doesn't have a whole lot because it's it's just a lot more nuanced. And rather than if a decision couldn't clearly be made as one or the other, there was not one recommendation uh, yeah. put down. Um, And then sometimes here, there's just like one person running. So you, there you go, exactly. have to. <laughs> if they didn't have a any opposition, you don't ne- necessarily have to say. Um, anyway, so StandForHealthFreedom.com or .org, which did you say?
3: Dot .com, .com. com. Okay, there we
1: go. <laughs> okay. Hey, there was something else that we were going to discuss. We've got um, a few more minutes here. You had, what was it? We were talking it- before...
3: Was it the uh, the amnesty uh, article? Ooh.
1: Yes. Let, let's let's talk about amnesty. So there was this article in the Atlantic magazine that pretty much the whole nation is talking about. So it was by this journalist named Emily Oster let's declare a pandemic amnesty let's focus on the future and fix the problems we still need to solve you know and if you go on to read it it's pretty much we didn't know we made bad decisions let's forgive and forget and just move on right um so yeah let's let's talk about that so i'm going to try to be good and let you go first <laughs> otherwise i won't shut up <laughs>
3: well so emily oster is a professor over at brown university her background is in is in economics she is a mother a wife professional and she has been uh very active in twitter uh very free with her opinions about you know we need you know mandates vaccinations and making sure that you know she signaled quite clearly that she thought the the jabs were a great idea, that uh, forcing people to uh, take the jabs was a great idea. And uh, very early on, and again, she says she's a a data-driven person, but early on, the the data were very clear that it didn't stop transmission. It was causing a lot of injury and death, but yet she was still there pushing it, and people would present her with data. Nope, I'm going to go with what the CDC tells me. Mm-hmm. And now she's asking for amnesty. To me, this looks like a very clear and desperate attempt uh, to uh, uh, corral uh, voting mothers to vote for a particular party because they know that the current trend is that they made mothers a voting block, mm. they've made parents a voting block in this election. And yeah. that is not looking very good for certain candidates and certain political parties.
1: <clears throat> wow, wow, that's a—you uh, really had some good insights into into that. And you know, my my feeling is this: you know, I, as I've always said, I'm a Pollyanna. I'm a, I'm a I go into this with grace. Yeah, I apologize if I accidentally do an ad hominem attack. I don't want to attack individuals, um, but you know, through all of this, I have lost friends. I've got probably some family members that just might not interact as much as they would have in the past. So we can, you know, not go there. (laughs) Um, You know, at different events, standing on street corners, handing out published science, I have been flipped off. I've been told go die and then ugly words follow. The middle finger has been shown many, many times and I give back. I'll pray for you. You know, um, someday you'll realize. um, And I I understood that. But what I guess what I'm saying is it's one thing to be wrong and to respect that somebody else has a different opinion. But the hate and the ugliness and the verbal attacks and the jobs lost and the families broken apart, Mm -hmm. um, the the horrific injuries, the, the deaths, the just the ugliness that has happened. No, you, I do believe in amnesty and I do believe in forgiveness, but those can on, only follow um, the word Del Bigtree used was repentance. Yes. First apologize. Apologize for your behavior when you were wrong. I can, I can more readily forgive that you were wrong, but you respected, respected me and were kind to me. But, but the people who are mean, who were awful and who still are attacking us Yes. that no, you've got to apologize for how awful you were how evil um, and the great harms that were done. This is a, you know, me, a couple culpa moment. And it's hard to do. It's hard to say I was wrong. I was wrong and I was mean about it.
3: No, but if, if this
1: lesson, right. If this lesson isn't learned, if people don't understand that massive Campaigns from our government can be so massively wrong if they don't get that they were motivated to choose really ugly behavior based on lies, then it's going to happen again.
3: Oh, no question, they're already gearing up for it again and again. And again, the most I think one of the most fundamental features that most people don't realize is that we made it normal to basically feel bad about having inalienable rights and standing up for your inalienable rights. Yeah. Basically, it's selfish to say, no, my individual mm-hmm. rights matter more than the societal rights.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
3: and, that, and that is the unfortunate reality. If you cannot uphold individual rights, how the hell can you uphold societal rights? You can't. There is no way of doing it. And we normalize it. And on that note, the mm-hmm. other thing that most people don't know about is that the amount of money that was introduced through the NDAA, to directly propagandize the American public to aid and abet in the sale of Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson jabs. Mm -hmm. That was done through a third party, that is they paid companies to manage all and coordinate all the messaging for COVID, for jabs, for everything to do with mandates, masking, and uh, basically living your civil rights. So this is your own government, helping a a set of private corporations and helping them make money to keep you in the dark.
1: Yeah, exactly. And our next guest is going to be talking a lot about, we're going to go to the really the weaponization of yeah. the FBI against us. I want to um, show you this right here because this leads into our next hour. The Intercept magazine, Intercept.com has got this article out, Truth Cops, leaked yes. documents outline DHS's, Department of Homeland Security plans to police quote unquote disinformation, which of course the dismiss and malinformation That they are naming to be that has turned out to be the truth. Correct. Um, And this is just you know a free republic cannot stand with this. This this cannot happen. No. Um, And but luckily the leaked documents are coming out. We've got the we've got the um, lawsuits happening against uh, um, Facebook and Twitter and all of those where now Fauci and Rochelle Walensky are going to have to be deposed. The judge said, yeah, I know. (laughs) Yay, they're going to have their day in court. So take heart, everybody. Um, Relentless warriors have not given up. As that trailer to Plandemic 3 says, they tried to bury us, they didn't know we were seeds. You know, we are growing (laughs) and we're getting stronger. And I hear the music playing here, so it's time to go. So we are going to take a break. We come back, we've got a great guest to give us uh, great more information on how to take charge and take our country back. You've been listening to An Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHDTV. We'll be
2: right back.
4: See you the next hour. If you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than The Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to theflameusa.com.
1: During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org.
4: Informed Choice Washington is a
3: nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life radio and visit the website, informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org. Today,
4: the views expressed on this program are those of the host, guest, and callers, and not necessarily those of KKNW, its management, or other advertisers. Contests are the responsibility of the host of this program, and not KKNW. This is Alternative Talk, eleven fifty a.m. KKNW Seattle and knuc ninety eight point nine HD three Seattle. And
6: as we take a break between these two hours of an informed life radio, I'm Nate here in Alternative Talk, eleven fifty a.m. For a look at the traffic. And we are seeing much heavier conditions out there right now, especially with the rain and wind. Also causing some incidents out there right now on the 101 southbound at milepost 355 near Hurley-Waldrop Road. uh, road is closed until further notice. Now on I-90 westbound at Lincoln Street exit, uh, you're going to need to use an alternate route with the left and middle lane currently blocked. Now on I-90, westbound, just west of Rainier Avenue, we do have a collision blocking the right lane. And for US-12, at milepost 124 near Bennett Road has all lanes currently blocked. And finally, for I-5 northbound, just south of South 272nd Street, we do have a collision blocking the left and center general purpose lane. And uh, left general purpose lane and the HOV lane. So three lanes blocked there. And finally, on 405, Southbound, there is a disabled vehicle blocking the ramp at Northeast 8th Street. And that's it for this traffic update. After this news break for the second hour of an Informed Life radio, Andrea Gomez joins the show to explain why we need a 1970s-style church committee to investigate abuses by American intelligence agencies.
0: NBC News Radio, I'm Brian Shook. President Biden claims he will confront oil companies soon about bringing down the price of gas. While campaigning for Democrats in San Diego, Biden said he plans to have direct conversations with oil and gas companies soon. He also took time to tout unemployment numbers. Unemployment
1: went up two-tenths of a percent, so 3.7% among the lowest in 50 years. Unemployment among veterans is historically low.
0: Biden also highlighted the recently passed Chips and Science Act, which puts billions of dollars of investment to boost production of American-made semiconductors. Jake Sullivan is meeting with his Ukrainian counterpart to discuss America's support for Ukraine's defense against Russia's invasion. The U.S. National Security Advisor went to Kiev to meet with the head of President Zelensky's office. According to an official statement from Ukraine, Sullivan's visit is is an especially powerful signal as the country is attacked by Iranian-made drones from Russia. California's attorney general is putting social media companies in the spotlight with the midterm elections just around the corner. Matt Mattinson explains. In a letter
4: sent Thursday, Rob Bonta called on multiple platforms to stop the spread of disinformation. He said false and fabricated material is seriously threatening our democracy and the rule of law. Bonta pointed at the January 6th Capitol attack and the assault of House Speaker nancy pelosi's husband as examples for how social media can add to extremist views the companies mentioned in the letter were meta youtube twitter tiktok and reddit i'm
0: at mattinson A longtime friend of former President Trump is being found not guilty on charges that he lied to the FBI about being a foreign agent for the United Arab Emirates. Tom Barrick allegedly did so without prior notification to the Justice Department during the Trump administration. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio.
5: When you buy health products, you can save up to 50% at vitaminlife.com, the world's largest selection of supplements, herbs, homeopathic, health and beauty products, and more. Choose from vitaminlife.com's 30,000 products from over 700 brands including Solar Ray, Jaro Formulas, New Chapter, Country Life, Source Naturals, Nature's Way, Enzymatic Therapy,
6: Now Foods, Doctors Best, and Aubrey Organics. Go to vitaminlife.com. And now for your alternative talk, Weather Outlook. For today, we'll have on and off rain throughout the day, giving us a high near 57, and winds gusting up to 41 miles per hour. Overnight, the rain continues with a low around 42. Heading into the weekend, we'll have more rain under mostly cloudy skies, bringing us a temperature around 44 degrees and a low around 39. And finally for Sunday, looks like rain throughout the day, high near 44. And with all that wind and rain, we do have wind advisories and flood watches. The views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of KKNW, its management, or other advertisers. This program is sponsored by Informed Choice Washington.
0: We need
1: Hello and welcome back to An Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming to CHDTV. I'm going to go ahead and bring on Javier Figueroa, my co-host right away, because it seems like my screen settles down whenever that happens. I don't know what's going on on. Are you seeing it on your end? It's just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah,
3: it's just it's because of the at the edges over there, the 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 program doesn't know how to handle them properly. Oh, I
1: don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not tech savvy. People, you're lucky that you can see and hear me at all. So here we are. <laughs> and you know, my my wonderful engineer, there producer at the station. He he's so good, and he gives me tips on how to be more professional. I'm just not good at implementing them. So um, anyway, here we are. We're here to talk. It's not about how we look. Sure. It's great information we're gonna give you. And let's go ahead and bring right on the show right away here. Let's bring on Andrea Gomez from the Citizens for Renewing America. There she is. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me okay?
3: Sure can.
7: Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: You know, I just had the pleasure of meeting her a couple of nights ago. I've got this little bio. Let me read this because it's pretty awesome here. So Andrea Gomez is the Tennessee Director for Citizens for Renewing America, Prior to working with grassroots activists, she spent nearly a decade as an elementary school teacher working with students with diverse populations and languages in California and Tennessee. In 2020, she found herself taking a stand against mandates in her school district, which ignited a passion for studying the Constitution and the principles of conservatism. Andrea holds a master degree in education, but believes the historical, biblical, and constitutional knowledge is the key to renewing our country and culture. Andrea now lives in Middle Tennessee with her husband and two children. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It was just asking me. Yeah, I was just so glad you were able to come sort of at the last minute. Uh, When you presented, I was just so excited because I'm a solutions girl. I'm okay. Here's the problem. What's the solution? And um, you've got this solution for a problem that is really very concerning that has been growing and growing. And it's sort of the weaponization of FBI, CIA, um, Homeland security against citizens. Um, And so I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about that. But, but first, kind of talk about uh, Citizens Renewing America, this organization and how it got started.
7: Yes, so Citizens for Renewing America is the activist arm of Center for Renewing America. Um, the organization was founded by Russ Vogt. Um, he was Trump's OMB director. Oh. And so we are here as an organization to hold the line on America first. Center for Renewing America does a lot of amazing things um, as far as research and policy briefs and model legislation and so forth. And they're real busy up in Washington, D.C. And at the state level, we have uh, some directors like myself that work with the grassroots activists that are focused on America First priorities. Um, So I'm here in Tennessee to support those grassroots activists, to help equip them and their groups with. just growing in their knowledge of an issue. Um, you can't know everything. So I encourage um, activists to, to pick issues that they, um, that are near and dear to their heart. Uh, medical freedom is, um, is at the top of that list. probably exactly. In the top three. And, um, and then we help them to, to, you know, get up to speed um, because you can't fix what you don't know. So, that's one of our roles and we have um we have some other resources that we do for activists across the country with equipping them um and then supporting them with what they need and then ultimately influencing legislation at the state level
1: very good it's it really comes down to being empowered with the knowledge that's that's really one of the things that was so frightening with the past couple of years in some of the major mainstream um, journals, magazines, newspapers, you, there were articles put out there like, just trust the experts, you know, you're not smart enough to know, just trust us. And, you know, and and, and studies done on individuals who think for themselves as if we are some sort of um, aberrant, you know, abhorrent kind of um, individuals and we can't be free unless we really understand the foundations of the structures of this na- this nation, it doesn't mean you have to agree with your neighbor on every issue. It means that you agree that the framework of the structure, I mean, of this nation that allows you the freedom to have a d- belief different than your neighbor is what yeah. you have to agree on. Yeah. Right?
7: And self-governance. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that in education, we, um, we kind of wield our expertise um, over people. And it's, it's one of the big lies that, mm-hmm. um, that I think that Americans have believed is that so for example, in education, you know, that you have to be a teacher to be able to educate your own child. Um, and, mm-hmm. and when it comes to your health freedom, that you have to have, a, you know, a degree in science or to be a medical doctor to be able to make the best decisions for your health and for your family. And these, these are lies.
3: All lies. Yep. All lies.
1: All lies. I should introduce you to Javier Figueroa, our um, my co-host. There, he's got a PhD in neurobiology, so he's really smart.
3: No, just just overeducated. <laughs> no, overeducated. Yeah, no. But
1: you <laughs> know, e, even if he didn't have that degree, I would respect him. I met him on a bridge. I met him on an overpass.
3: <laughs> um, we were protesting.
1: We were protesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, very many people. <laughs> <laughs> we had a hundred foot banner going across uh, the interstate and these banners were all over the United States. And what they said was COVID-19 vaccine makers are exempt from liability. Yeah. So just trying to put some truths out there um, just when the shots were first coming out and, and the other side us. of the freeway, if people go the other way, we had a hundred foot banner that said healthy immunity now.org, which is, a website that gives treatment protocols that the CDC doesn't like to admit exist. Well, um, we had to abandon so much common sense, and, and not everybody
7: did. Um, but I would say, you know, while we focus a lot on education, and I'm a teacher at heart, and I do enjoy teaching um, adults now, not children, because I no longer work as an elementary school teacher. But um, one of the things we don't teach very well is courage. And you can be equipped with all of the information and still not have the courage to follow through and act on it. Mm. And, um, so, you know, we can, we can almost overindulge in, in the, in the science or the information, but if you're not willing to stand up for what, you know, what you believe and willing to take the consequences. And I think that's the, yes. that's the tricky part. There is, is absolutely there are consequences. Yes. I face those consequences. Mm-hmm. So I, I work on on all of these issues um, now. I was not an activist before. I was a teacher. I taught elementary kids um, that were learning English. I was an ESL teacher, um, but I got into this because of medical freedom, and I felt like it was the the first um, the first battle. And I could mm-hmm. see, and I believe this was God given discernment. I could see. The, the future battles that were coming if we didn't stand up to the early battles. So when, um, when school shut down and, you know, everybody was um, sent home, I, I, I felt like I was given some discernment that these things were wrong. This was not the right way to go about this. Um, so, you know, the summer passed and we went back to school and the kids were masked up and the teachers were masked up. And um, I knew that this wasn't right. And not only did nobody have the authority, but I also, um, couldn't do my job. I couldn't teach English to, you know, a little boy from uh, Egypt who spoke Arabic right. as his home language without him being able to see my face and me seeing his face. So there was that challenge, but every day that went by, I was more and more convicted. This is wrong. And I was, I was getting frustrated and then I ended up with natural immunity. So mm-hmm. when I went back and I realized that there was no plan for going back to normal. They no. they fully really intended to keep us masked up and distanced um, for in as yeah. yeah forever. Um, and that's when yeah. I I decided I had to make a stand. Um, mm-hmm. And I decided to go back into my schools with my natural immunity and my the brightest red lipstick that I could find. <laughs> <laughs> and I went back into my schools and taught without a mask. And that was very much um, going against the grain. It was, it was doing the opposite of what everyone else was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a lot of funny looks and I got a few like high fives and winks, but nobody really wanted to join in and, and put, put it all out on the line. Mm-hmm. And the, the consequence was as I was, I got through two full teaching days, I was suspended without pay, and then ultimately my school district terminated me. <sighs>
1: but what, i knew union, what
7: i was going into i knew what the potential was but but this is what we have to be ready to do if we're if we're not if we're not willing to stand up for our own our own health freedom to make our own medical decisions then when will you stand up
3: exactly this is an aside what did your union say did they stand up? i was up not
7: anymore? a union member the union right. is influential in tennessee um in California, I was forced to be a union member, and right. that's not the case anymore. That was that was a few years back. Um, so when I came here, I had a <laughs> a distaste for unions. So I chose to walk the other way when they had their tables set up. Um, in hindsight, there is a teachers' association here. I, I wish I had been a part of. They would have been um, very supportive and helpful. Good. Um, I never I never filed a lawsuit of any kind. Tennessee. Um, you know, the lawyers were all saying and I would have filed a lawsuit for one dollar. I would have done it for one dollar. I really wanted them to be told by a judge, you can't do this. You don't have the authority. Um, but nobody wanted to take on the case. They just saw
1: it as a loss, like a waste. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been in Tennessee for a year. What, did you get fired before at some point before I arrived? Governor Lee um gave you know some governor directive or something about masks where you couldn't require them. Or was he leaving it to the individual businesses, schools to make their own decisions? how did Yeah, that go? he gave he gave an executive
7: order that said parents could opt out. Parents could opt out. Mm-hmm. The parents could opt their children out. Yes. Okay. Um and so but that all of that
1: happened after I was terminated. Okay. Mm. All yeah. right. Well, I, I do admire you for standing uh, standing up and being courageous. And I love the way you brought up that that really children today are not really taught how to be courageous. But I want to balance that because being courageous comes with a lot of responsibility. And I fear what has happened is that people in this nation felt they were being courageous when they stood up and and said to those of us who who said the science doesn't support masking, the science doesn't support these shots. They felt it was courageous to stand up and attack us and be mean to us and belittle us and and ostracize us and say, well, it's your fault if you died of COVID. If you haven't had the shot, you don't deserve um, to go to the hospital if you're having a heart attack. So we have while we want people to be emboldened to stand up for what they believe in, we also want to teach humility and the understanding that knowledge and wisdom are always something you're striving to attain. Things change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so you stand up, but you don't attack, (laughs) you know, Um, that balance has been completely lost, but, yeah, I think a lot of Americans and hopefully a lot of children today are observing what's happening and seeing that you have to stand up for what you believe in.
3: And you know, they what? That's a, great, that's a great segue. Uh, and uh, Andrew, you sent us a link to uh-huh. Citizens for Renewing America. And I think that that is just a, such a fantastic segue.
1: Yeah, shall I, shall I go ahead and share that now? Yeah. Yeah, let's go Beautiful. ahead and, oops, let me close this is it showing let me let me see make sure it I let me know it, if you hear
2: it apparatus of the there we
5: go intel agencies their long list of alphabet soup agencies the fbi the doj the cia the dhs are all being weaponized against the american people average families going about their daily lives going to work raising a family being a part of a church can no longer be assured that the jack thugs won't be barreling down their door, terrifying their children, ruining their lives. We need to know the extent.
7: The FBI's controversial arrest of a pro-life Catholic father at his house in front of his family. The
2: FBI raided my house and took my phone, my computer, and my MAGA hat. No, I want to know why you were banging on my door with a gun. You're not going to give me your name. You're not going to give me any information. Oh, how do you feel?
7: You're,
1: you're scared to death. I'm, I'm frightened.
2: that the Attorney General of
1: Washington? is instructing the FBI to mobilize against anti-mask school board demonstrators
6: and even go so far as to label them domestic terrorists. Now, there was former advisor Michael Caputo, who was bankrupted while trying to fend off legal fights. Roger Stone, Steve Bannon, of course, arrested on contempt charges. John Eastman and his cell phone taken by federal agents.
0: And most recently,
6: former justice official Jeffrey Clark was raided by the feds in his underwear. Last night, pursuant to a search warrant, the FBI confiscated the phone of Mike Lindell.
5: Founder of my pillow. On Wednesday, September 29th, the National School Board Association wrote a letter to the president asking the president to use the Department of Justice to target parents that were upset at critical race theory, that were upset at mask mandates in schools, to target them as domestic terrorists. Corruption, FBI and DOJ corruption and breaking
6: of the law. I think this is highly politicized and it's also part of a nationwide
4: effort yesterday. Republican Congressman Scott Perry says his phone was
6: confiscated by the FBI just one day after the Mar-a-Lago search. The FBI directed agents to use counterterrorism measures to track parents critical of their school boards. This is an unprecedented step that just shows that the department is being weaponized. It's more out of control than the CIA was when Senator Church held his famous church committee hearings
1: the church committee
6: was created in january
1: of 1975 by the senate
2: in response to a series of revelations and allegations about domestic intelligence abuses in the united states
4: and i think this is a wake-up call for those in congress to be able to use the tools at their disposal to ask the right questions and to prepare for a church style commission Next year, if given a Republican majority to dismantle the FBI into a thousand bits,
6: we need the incoming Congress, which starts in January, to do the same thing to turn the FBI upside down. Yeah,
1: that. That is a fantastic video. And, you know, if you are listening on the radio or the podcast, if you get a chance to watch the video to so see the images behind that and some of the appalling things that have happened, it's really disturbing when you go read some of the documents that have been issued by some of these entities because they are pretty much saying if you are critical of the COVID-19 narrative and if you are critical of any... Uh, voting, if you question vote outcomes, you're a domestic terrorist. I mean, it's right there in writing. Yeah. I mean, it's just so appalling. So, um, it's disturbing. It it is very disturbing.
7: Many people, myself included, feel like we have a target on our back. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're standing up for children, you're on their radar. If you Mm. have conservative values, if you're Christian, um, if you, if you go to a school board meeting, you're on their radar. Well, I've done all of these things. <laughs> so, and and I know many others here locally in Tennessee feel the same way that, you know, you hear a lot of people saying, I feel like I'm on a list. I feel like I'm possibly being watched or monitored. And it's hitting really close to home in Tennessee and across the country as well. But in Tennessee, we just saw a few weeks ago where pro-life or pro-life activists were, um, were arrested by the FBI for an incident that took place a year and a half ago in Mount Juliet, where they, they were sitting in the hallway outside of an abortion clinic, and they were singing hymns. And the police asked them to leave. And they, they should have left, and they should have not returned. But they did return. Um, so they, they maybe should have had you know a trespassing charge or something like that. But there were no local charges filed. And then just a few weeks ago, they're faced now with felonies. They're all being faced with a felony charge of the FACE Act. And so they're facing 11 years, I believe, in jail, in prison. And I think each of them is facing over $300,000 in fines. And, And that's for standing up for children, you know, and... It's just, it's very clear that, and it's not just FBI. There are many agencies that are being weaponized, politically weaponized against conservatives. Um, we do have precedent, like you heard in the video, um, of, of going about this um, with that special congressional committee. So in 1975, it was a Senate committee. Um, it doesn't need to be a Senate committee. We can do this with just a House committee. It's expected that... Um, that the Republicans um, will take the House and take majority in the House. And, um, and, and hopefully out of that majority, many of them will be strong conservatives that are ready to, to move forward and, and act boldly. Um, but this special committee, it, it it's gonna it, it would be different than just a regular oversight committee. Those committees are already tasked with certain things and have, you know, budgets and so forth. This committee would be separate. It would um, have the ability to declassify and have that authority. Um, they would be staffed and funded and with no sunset, no no end. You know, you, you do this investigation until the job is done. And we're talking FBI, DOJ, Homeland Security, maybe even Department of Education. I mean, that's where, you know, this claim that, that moms who go to school board meetings and and protest mass on their kids are domestic terrorists. That's where that claim came from, was the Department of Education. So what we're encouraging um, citizens to do is to understand what a church-style committee is and understand what it would do and what the purpose is, and then to reach out to their congressmen and women and I would suggest the conservative ones, the ones that you, you believe are going to be receptive to this idea, and encourage them, you know, tell them what this church committee is, this church subcommittee, and encourage them to call for it when they get back into session. So they're they're gonna be back. Um, so we have an election on November 8th, next Tuesday, and then they should be back in DC around the 14th. And there's a lot of things on their agenda but this needs to be of utmost importance.
3: Absolutely. Um,
7: and they can, they can just start putting that pressure on. So there, many of them are already hearing this conversation and have heard this conversation in DC, but they need to hear it from citizens, their own constituents that we feel targeted, that we believe we have um, a, a target on our backs, that our, our, our government agencies, first of all, many of them are not constitutional. They're being funded no. with taxpayer money. So we're paying for them to come after us. I mean, that's just ludicrous when you think about it. Um, they're, the censorship, the election interference, it, this has to end. It's And so to go through and investigate them thoroughly, obviously, is going to be followed up with reforms. It can be followed up also with... Um, Maybe some appropriations and defunding some of these agencies. Maybe trimming them back, slimming them down. There's there's definitely a lot of good outcomes from from really digging deep and not just assigning this to a committee that already has a lot of other things on their plate.
3: Right. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a very good point. And again, these agencies are all intelligence agencies: DHS, CIA, FBI, NSA. These are all intelligence agents that have been caught with their hands in the cookie jar, actually spying, actively spying and tracking American citizens without any warrants.
2: Mm -hmm. Like
3: you said, all of these agencies, FBI, CIA, DHS, are extra constitutional. They actually have to be under exceptional supervision, which, again, unfortunately, Congress has not provided.
7: Right. And then we have 87,000 IRS agents. To look forward to as well, <laughs> so you know we yeah. we know the we know where the um, motive is coming from. We know what the agenda will be. It'll be to come after people like you and me, um, people that are you know going against the narrative that's approved by the regime. Yep.
1: Yeah, and I mean it's really interesting. This nation has always had a diversity of political stances you know, the the very liberal, the very conservative, everything in between, um, very religious, atheist, the whole thing. We've been a melting pot. Um, it is difficult to, to find that place of, of respecting each other, you know, in this free society. But I kind of feel like we had mostly done it great. We had done it really well, um, except for in a few places where there were witch hunts of different things like um, McCarthy era and different, Things that happened, and I don't know my history of that very well. Um, I've never seen any group uh, being called terrorists for simply having an opinion that used to be. I mean, it's it's like if you if you kind of like the nineteen fifties values of leave it to Beaver and Father Knows Best, and you know, sort of this conservative, old fashioned value, you know of. Uh, you know, church and home and hearth and love and all that. Suddenly you're a domestic terrorist because <laughs> you hold these views. What? Um, it, it's absurd. And because it makes no sense, that the individuals they are saying are criminals, that the, the, the people targeted now are being, who are facing 11 years in prison and $300,000 fines for protesting, like you said, it, at most it should be a trespassing sort of fine. Um, the extreme response to all these groups shows that something else is at play.
4: It well, absolutely,
7: be- and and the pregnancy crisis centers that have been uh, attacked across the country. Um, yeah. Where are the felony charges against the people that that conducted those? But when you talk about some other some other source, I mean, I I believe in spiritual warfare, and there is one enemy, in my opinion, and and one deceiver where all of this um, can be tied back to. But as a as a teacher. And, and I, I will say this, I, I did not recognize um, everything when I was working as, an, as a teacher. But now, in hindsight, I'm looking back and I'm connecting a lot of dots and I'm continuing to do more research. Um, it's very clear to me that the the Marxist theology has crept into our schools and has taken over. And this this divide um, of, well, first, we've taken God out of everything. And now you see this, this division, this wedge that's coming between parents and their children. We're seeing that with um, the, the gender um, identity yes. movement. Um, we're seeing it with critical race theory. Um, and so in, in, at the end of the day, the goal of Marxism is to basically teach a generation that they get, get to be their own god right? Mm -hmm. It is theology, it is a religion, but we've got to get rid of that, that Western Christian worldview. And that's exactly what's been going on, but it's been going on for decades. And I think we're just really starting to see it all come to a head. So when you have all this indoctrination that's been happening for so long, and then you have chaos and confusion What what I believe will end up happening is you'll have a lot of people that want to get away from the chaos and confusion. And so they will willingly accept something like communism. So Mm -hmm. that's what we're being faced. That's what we're up against. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I believe the the answer is is always in in the Bible. (laughs) You know, uh, I'm most people are praying for a red tsunami on Election Day. I'm praying for a Red Sea moment. Um, I'm I'm trying to to move, um, and to, and to move in a, in a big way where he gets the glory. Um, at at the end of the day, even, even when I feel discouraged because I get discouraged from time to time. And I know you do too, because we're humans and we're out, you know, we're communicating these ideas of freedom, liberty, and, and, um, self-governance. Um, and it's, it's, it can be tiring at times and it can feel like an uphill battle and it can feel a lot of times like the walls are closing in. Um, but at the end of the day, I do know um, how this story ends and I know where the victory lies. And I, I go back to a quote from John Quincy Adams, the duty is ours and the results are God's. Mm. And that's, that's the only, that's the way I get through the day is I think in, in my human nature, I get caught up on results. Like I want the results that I want. I want to see it happen. I want to see it happen quickly. um, And I want to see it happen my way. Um, But if, if I can just be aligned with God's will and stay close to him and, and be obedient, um, then that's, that's my job. That, that is what I'm here to do. And he will take care of the results. So I I hope that's an encouragement to some of your listeners when they're feeling discouraged.
1: Yeah, I, I think it very much is. And in, in my own sort of spiritual journey, the where I sort of am now is I try to let go of, of asking for specific outcomes, things to happen. What, what I do is try to focus my energy in a prayerful way in, Please let what is going to lead us to um, to what needs to happen, you know, for goodness to prevail for the right outcome, because I'm not smart enough to know for sure that this person elected or that person elected or or this or that is really the way to go. I mean, I do my best guess and I put my energy there. But when it comes to that prayerful moment. You just never know. I mean, sometimes things that you think are the, oh my goodness, they're like, that's awful. I can't believe that happened. But because that happened, something else tremendously good happened. It was like, you know, God knew to take a, a left and you were going to go right, you know, so don't ask to go right. If God knows you got to go left first, right? So um, I'm, I'm sort of squirreling here, but yeah. Well, so- I, think, but I think that
7: is like, is exactly what we've been doing for the last almost three years. You know, I've been frustrated. I've I've done my share of ranting about what's going on. And yet at the same time, you have to stop and realize that without all of this um, suffering, pain, discomfort that we're going through, we we would be on a different path right now.
2: Very and true. and oh. I,
7: I prefer the path that I'm on today. I mean, you know, I, I know yeah. that that's because of obedience that God opened up a, a path for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a country, as a as a nation, as a nation, as a as a world, as a people, we would be on a different path.
3: No question about it. And I think that the fact that now the 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 narratives that we're seeing collapsing around the world indicates something and, fundamental about how. I have to say this; it, it's been a failure. Oh,
1: yeah, we're, we, you're frozen there, Andrea. So hopefully, you can come back and rejoin us. Is she there? You're freezing. Yeah. Um, you might you maybe exit and come back in, Andrea, because you're frozen there, and we'll see if we can get get you back with a better connection. If you're hearing me. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah. We'll see. She's still stuck. So go ahead. Um, Javier, what were you saying?
3: So one of the things that I've noticed, and I think a lot of people within the alternative, also the mainstream uh, news organizations, they're changing the tune rather quickly. And they're also th- there, there is a sea change coming around because uh, now all of a sudden they know that they can't hide what's been going on with uh, the jabs. They can't hide what's been going on with uh, critical race theory. They can't hide the fact that, yeah, you've got, got agencies like the FBI, the Department of Justice, you know, going after people that have every right to speak their minds. And again, this whole idea that somehow you can't be out in front of a clinic that, you know, judges have created zones where it's like only this far and so so much further. And these are these are well-established legal precedents now. And all of a sudden you have the FBI going after them for that. That is not the law. That is intimidation. And again, from someone who, whose family had to flee a country, uh, you know, again, it's the weaponization. It always starts with, okay, you just have to start targeting the people that are the least acceptable in certain circles. Because all of a sudden you create that, that you break a barrier in essence. Mm -hmm. that's not taboo anymore because everyone agrees that this has to be done. And that's the first break in the chain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And one of the weapons they use uh, um, against us in order to get us to hand over our freedom and to not have courage and not speak up is they make subjects taboo. They make you so nervous. And it, what, this is really a, a wonderful, I keep comparing to like a healing crisis, like, you know, it it all of this had to happen in order for all the 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 awfulness to be revealed and to come to the surface. We couldn't so many people couldn't see it before. Um, and I had a thought and my brain just went absolutely squirrel. So I don't know how to get back to what I was my point was going to be. Um so, but let, let's get back then, Andrea, to this great effort that is because. As much as we said we have to, um, you know, God's got a bigger plan and all that. There is a sense of urgency for this church committee, church style committee. And church doesn't mean churches and religion. It's named after an individual. Was it an individual named church in the 1970s? senator. Yeah, the senator. Mm-hmm. The senator. Yeah. So right after the elections. What we need individuals to do is to go to their newly elected officials, your congressman, the ones going to D.C., and yes. tell them you want this committee formed. And to make it easy, I'll go ahead and pull it up and share it again. Your website, you've created an easy way to contact them. So talk uh, talk to people. Let's see. Is this it? Here well, So
7: Yeah, and I would say if you have a relationship with your congress. Your congresswoman or congressman. Um, mm-hmm. If you have a relationship with them, I would start by making a phone call and reaching out to them. And these should be friendly conversations. They shouldn't be angry conversations. Okay, these are our you know. Reach out to your allies, the ones that you think this would p- be a pretty um, easy sell. If if they're a little bit squishy and a little bit weak, still reach out to them. But if they tend to lean conservative. Um, you definitely want to have these conversations. So start with personal conversations. If you don't know them personally, then an email or a phone call to their office is totally fine too. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say, um, and, and Bernadette, I can share a, a write up with you. Um, but I would not copy and paste this. It's not in a letter format. It's in one informational format, but it can, if you read it, it can help you frame your conversation and help you with your wording. Um, yes. whether it's a phone call or an email, but make them personal. Um, and you don't even have to go into too much detail. It's sometimes a short to the point email is best, but yes. I would make it cordial um, and I would make it soon. <laughs> yes. That's, um, you know, we, we talk about what time, knowing what time it is um, and it's, it's 1159, you know, this isn't something you put on and take care of after the holidays. Mm-mm. This is something mm-hmm. we hit the ground running on immediately. Um, after the election, and and even now, I have some activists across the state that have already reached out and had these conversations, and they've gotten positive feedback on it. Um, mm-hmm. And and I'll say this too, you know, we send people to D.C. or Nashville or you know wherever your state capital is, and and I think one of the mistakes that we we tend to make is we get behind a candidate, we rally behind them, we get really excited for them, we get them elected, and then we kind of like you know, brush our hands and go, okay, our work is done here. And we walk away and then they go off. And I I want you to, I want your viewers to know they're being groomed. Even some of them before they've even won their election, they've already started being groomed in DC or in Nashville or wherever. And so it is really, our job is not done. Our job is actually just barely beginning. We have to keep them close. We need to continue building those relationships so in your mind sometimes you might think, oh, they don't want to hear from me. I don't want to trouble them. You need they need to hear from you. And in fact, they need your encouragement. They need your prayers, your encouragement, they need your input. They don't know everything. None of them can know everything about every issue, so they need you to support them with that. But they mm-hmm. also just need to know what you care about. And they need to know your opinions. And if they're not hearing from you, then all they're hearing from are the other people in D.C. or at their capital or the lobbyists. Guess who's in their ear the most? The lobbyists. So we really have to pick up that slack um, as citizens and, and really support them. But this can be a really easy way to open that door. If you've never reached out to um, an elected official before, now's the time. And we're going to give you the resources to be able to frame that conversation pretty easily as well.
1: That is fantastic. Citizens for Renewing America. And I, I love that you bring this up because, you know, when I became an activist around 2016, um, it was really interesting. I started going to Board of Health, Department of Health meetings and going to the capital of Olympia, where I was in Washington state. And sometimes I would be the only citizen that I saw or, you know, maybe I'd have another mom with me. Yeah. You'd look around and at these meetings, here's the lobbyists. Here's the health department people. Here's other agency people. Right. And there's the industry people. All yeah. of them, every day, every day, yeah. at your capital, at the offices. They know each other. They walk, oh, hey, Doug, how you doing? They know each other. They have established relationships. Yeah. And if you mama bears and papa bears are not walking the hall, the, the only information they're getting is what they're being handed on a daily basis by the lobbyists, by the, the government entity who might not be going in yes. the direction that you want. I mean, those are the ones that fry me the most. I expect industry to care about their, their bottom line. But when when the government officials and in my bailiwick, it's usually the health department people are the one and they're stumping for pharma. Oh, that makes me mad because mm-hmm. I'm paying them to stump for pharma now. Um, yeah, so you need to be heard you they need to know that you're there and what your voice is. And if you can get ahead of the game, If you can present to them now, listen, there's this propaganda campaign. You don't have to call it propaganda, but that's what it is. And they see it on their desk. And then the next day, somebody from the health department or state department come in and they say, oh, I learned already from one of my constituents that this is what y'all are doing. It undermines it for them. It makes them stop and think it's not so genuine as it was presented to be. And let me give you another example. So we we came across in some public records um, in Washington State during a public records request that there were these emails and it was between the McKinsey consulting firm, the global firm that also works for World Economic Forum and such. And it was between um, Susan Congresswoman Susan Del Bene's husband who works for Microsoft or did at the time. He's one of the chief CEOs or somewhere at Microsoft writing to former governor, um, her head name went out of my head for a second, but um, Gregoire Gregoire, saying, Hey, I've got a good friend named um, uh, Dilip or something. I forget his name. Sorry. I'm pulling this off my head. I'm not doing well. Anyway, this guy at McKinsey, Really good guy. And, you know, they could really help you during this COVID thing with consulting. And, you know, it's not about the money for them. They they just really want to help Washington State get through this. So could could you help me uh, hook them up with Inslee? So these cozy little interactions, you know, McKinsey's the one that helped push the opioid crisis. Yep. And they did get a contract with Washington State and many other states. And I can't remember. Do you remember how much it was they were making two people like $20,000 a month or some ridiculous thing that we were, it was more than that. I mean, it was just over the top, the the contract amount they were paying these people, but this is what happens. These cozy relationships are happening because the American public forgot to do their due diligence and show up and make those relationships. So next Tuesday vote. If you don't like what's going on in your state, vote for people who say they're going to do it differently. And then after the election, by gum, figure out how to contact them, get yourself appointments Mm -hmm. and then jot your notes. And one of the most important things I like to pass on, because, you know, Bernadette likes to talk. I haven't shut up. Right. (laughs) Learn to shut up. Bring Uh your points. Listen to what they say. These are human beings with their own thoughts, feelings, fears, whatever. Right. Don't just gush at them.
7: Right. Exactly.
1: Right. Have a dialogue. Don't try to get everything in in 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And really do your best to get at least one appointment before session starts. Once session starts, they've got 10 minutes. They got no time for anything but one page of bullet points. And you're shoving it at them as they're getting on the elevator. So if you want to have influence, get it. Get to them at least once so they know who you are and then continue it through session. Let them hear from you on every bill. Let them hear your opinion. Show up and knock on the door. Say hi as they're walking down the hall. Sit in those hearing meetings, you know. Yep. Um, not everybody can do this, but find somebody in your little small circle of world, you know, who can, who can represent you and what you're doing. Your own citizen lobbyist, as it were. Yes, so bodies in the solution. room is
7: very important. And I will say, uh, and 100% agree with everything you just said, and just to drive the point home a little bit more, if, you, um, if anyone has ever raised children, when they get to that teenage stage, it's, it's a matter of finessing those conversations, right? Um, if all you're doing is telling them everything that they're doing wrong all of the time, <laughs> they stop listening. Yep. Yes.
2: Exactly. And so
7: it's the same. It's yes. the same with your elected officials. Um, you should ask them tough questions. You should hold them accountable. But you, it, there has to be some balance there. And especially for the ones that you know that they're there um, to do the right thing. Um, you don't want to burn a bridge and ruin a relationship. If that's someone that you can work with and move them in the direction that, that you think that they need to go, you want to keep that relationship going and not just write them off as a lost cause when they're probably not a lost ca- cause. They're probably just, they just need some help. They need some finessing.
1: They need some finessing. That's very good. And always just you know, keep it peaceful, keep respectful, be strong, listen, you know, you we're planting seeds here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really do feel like the extreme overreach of, of these global goals that are being pushed upon us is, um, they're going to be their own undoing because they're causing so much damage and trying to push what they want. They're waking everybody up. So they just need you to be there to sort of catch them when they wake up, when, you know, and, and they, they know that, Hey, you know, thanks for being there. I remember you told me this once before and I didn't quite understand, but you know, let's work on this bill together. right? Right. So that's what you want. Um, to have all the way down
7: to your school board level. I mean, they, they need you too. your school board needs you. Your, your election commissioners need you. Your county commissioners need you when you Mm -hmm. have ideas about something, send it to them, show them that you want to be a part of the dialogue and a conversation. They appreciate it. They will respond.
3: That's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. One of the things, uh, I know that we're winding up on the hour here, but when you mentioned that we needed new church committees, I think that most Americans don't have a history of mm-hmm. what the church committees were about. And this was actually uh, part and parcel of an investigation on the capabilities of intelligence agencies, mm-hmm. specifically the national security agency that at the time when these, those committees were going in 1975, most Americans had no idea about. And
7: right. And we know about programs like Operation Mockingbird and MK Ultra because of church. this church committee. Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: And one of the things that uh, uh, Senator Church from the great state of Idaho stated, uh, the cap- the, that capability at any time could be turned around on the American people and no American would have any privacy left, such <laughs> as the capability to monitor everything, telephones, telephone conversations, telegrams, it doesn't matter. There would be no place to hide. This was 1975 and this was a Democrat.
1: Yeah, the
7: foresight he
1: had,
3: he had no idea.
1: Yep, here we are.
3: Yeah,
1: Yeah. and he had no idea what was coming as far as technology that would increase their ability to do that. And it also shows how far Um, leadership of the Democratic Party has taken their party. And that I dare say that if I could, you know, go back to the Democratic Party in the 1970s, you know, I look at my voting record, I'm all over the place. You know, a lot of people say that the party moved away from their values. It's not what they used to be. There's yeah. some Democrats from the 60s and 70s that I'd rather have today
7: than some of the rhinos that we're yes. dealing with. Yes. I mean, our yeah. our biggest opposition in Tennessee, it's not Democrats. It's from yeah.
3: Republicans. It's yeah.
7: Republicans. Yeah. The, that's who's fighting us on election integrity and, you know, mandates and so forth. So. So, right. yeah, I would take some of those Democrats from right. the Kennedy
1: era. Yeah, it's not the R or the D. It's it's really that stance. And they've really messed everything up and tried to make us feel like you have to vote for red or blue when those don't really mean anything anymore. And I I said in the first hour before you came on that how difficult it is sometimes to vote in Tennessee because Mm -hmm. they're, they're all kind of on that same platform. And it's nuanced. It's subtle. You have to really pay attention to know how they vote how far they will go. You know, a lot of them, they say the right things, they walk the right walk, but there's a ceiling mm-hmm. they won't go past because, oh no, the hospital association won't like it. Well, you know, we didn't vote for yeah. the hospital association. Yeah. We voted for you. So you, you know, you do the right thing.
7: For some of them, we voted for personality instead of
1: principle. Yeah.
7: And that's what we're, that lesson that we're going to have to learn.
1: And this have, isn't
7: about charisma yeah. and personality in your ability to give a speech or a talk. I'm not, I'm not electing you. I'm not hiring you for someone that I want to go and have dinner with. I'm hiring you to to be, to stand up.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. So I'm go ahead.
3: ahead.
1: I'm just going to pull up her website. So people know where to go while you go ahead and ask your questions. Why don't
3: you go ahead and tell us what you guys have planned for citizens for renewing America. What are some of the programs? What are some of the uh, events that you're going to host here real soon?
1: You got like two minutes. Well, I,
7: I visit a lot of groups around the state and I, I speak to the groups about what we can do to support them and to equip them. Uh, we have a weekly activist call um, and I'm happy to share that link with you if you want to get that out to your um, audience. Um, and that's a really good way to stay on what's going on in D.C. and also how that's affecting the state level. Um, I talked to a lot of groups about Woken Weaponized Education. <laughs> our woke Marxist education system. Um, that's, that's kind of my jam, um, is talking about education. Um, but we will be working with groups around the state. I will be meeting with them and, um, working with them on legislation and helping them get good legislation passed in Tennessee.
3: That's awesome. Absolutely.
7: Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Oh, and in- I'm working on an election integrity coalition as well. I should have mentioned that earlier. Um, So anyone, any of your viewers in Tennessee that are um, passionate about election integrity, they can reach out to me as well, and I can get them connected to that coalition.
3: And also on that note, election integrity is super critical. And what what most people don't realize is that either the secretary of state or the uh, election boards have uh, signed on agreements with third party organizations on monitoring and securing the elections, and every single one of those third party organizations are directly tied to the Department of Homeland Security as part of their electronics, uh, electronic monitoring. So in essence, you have a third party that's bypassing the Constitution and delivering all the information to the Department of Homeland Security on elections, which should not be accessible in any way or form electronically, but they are. Wow,
1: that's right. Agreed. Yeah. A lot of good wow. stuff here, a lot of things to fix. So um, we're out of time. Um, Javier, wonderful um, being with you these two hours. And Andrea, a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for your work. Andrea Gomez, Citizens for Renewing America. And what's everybody doing next Tuesday? Voting! woo <laughs> All righty, stay strong, stay active, stay healthy. Um, You've been listening to an Informed Life radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming to CHD TV. Have a great weekend, vote, and we'll see you next week. Thank
4: you. If you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than the Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative be it healthcare, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to theflameusa.com.
2: Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy but we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today.
5: Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, the high wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions.